sitting in your gaming chair you stupid, all day. You stupid, oh, so dumb alcoholic. My man, you look, oh. you look like the toy repairer from Toy Story 2 or something. <laughs> yeah, he was a cool guy. Bro, that scene where he actually repairs Woody is still pretty elite, but... I love that scene. But he's still an absolute... It's amazing. Woody. He's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a but... weird twist of Toy Story 2 slash Warhammer crossover. Uh. I can't wait for Buzz Lightyear to get his own Space Marine chapter. That'd be so good. <laughs> I've seen people paint him in that style. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It, looked, it actually looked really good. Welcome to the next episode of the Beginner to Expert podcast. We are continuing our journey with the Great Crusade slash following the glorious legions of the Emperor. Uh, Andy's a big fan of Imperial stuff, so this is his bread and butter. I like them, they're good. Colin, not so much. He's an Eldar fan, but he's he's willing to represent some, <laughs> some Imperial fists, I think, at some point. Indeed. Right. I, I like the fists. Fists are cool. I like the fists. He likes the fists. Uh, quote, everyone has to remember he said well, that. I feel free. I've said far worse. <laughs> True. But before we get into the episode, we will start with our question of the week. And that was on our previous episode on Nagash. And this was with the hashtag, such is the power of. And we'll be honest, these answers were good. We appreciate all of them, very much so. Quite a big representation of a warmer well, fancy in this one particularly, but we'll get straight on into it because I know Colin's itching mm. to hear some of these answers, particularly the fancy ones. Uh, the first Sorry. one was <laughs> the first one's from uh, Rarest Pepe three eight one fifteen. Good name. Nice. Such is the power of. I would resurrect Felix, and I would do so by telling Gotrek that Nagash has his soul, and then just sit back and wait. Good <laughs> answer. It's, it's a pretty strong answer, to be honest, though. Uh, did Felix I, dirty? Bro, Felix got done so dirty. Do you think Felix should be brought back, Colin, or do you think that you don't want him to ruin him anymore? I Can want he be Felix. like a Sigmar guy? Uh, if he was a Stormcast, Godric realizes he would have no memory of himself uh, and would functionally not be Felix. Yep. Although Godric can heal memories just by being around people because uh, he's so tough he beats the amnesia out of them or something. I don't, I don't remember. That could be a good story though. Like, oh, he, he comes back as a stormcast and there's like some tension because it's like, ah, uh, um, you do know me, but you don't know that. But yeah, so come come join me on some adventures. Felix remember when I killed it. that big thing? And he's like, no. Felix is asking oh. who this random dwarf is and Godric is holding back <laughs> tears. Oh, you'd have to make it that emotional, Christ. Uh, it would be. I would feel that emotional. Moving on, because we, because pain. <laughs> such hashtag such is the power of Skarsnik that he was actually forgotten by the End Times writers, oh, but man. he snuck past them. In law, bring him back to AOS as a guerrilla warfare expert who snuck through the Skaven dimensional tunnel thing and found his way back to his greenskin buddies. Make him snows, make him so sneaky that he snuck past the end of the world. I mean, that's a big call out there. Know, that'd, that'd be pretty cool. Who is He's that? not wrong. The writers admitted they just forgot about him. <laughs> it was like, oops. Jeez. 
I do not know who. Uh, Nolan explained to Andy who Skarsnick is. I don't know. Jan, do you know who Skarsnick? Oh is no, I, I just remember who the, who the commenter was. Oh, I, sorry, I forgot their name. Uh, that was read by at Lunch Meat. Uh, <laughs> okay, good name. good name. Thank you at Lunch Meat. Uh, okay. Skarsnick is Goblin Sun Tzu because the goblins are allowed to be. <laughs> infinitely more important in fantasy than the gods. Mm. Oh, I misheard that. I thought you meant he was goblin Sun Tzu. Uh, like, what? And I was like, oh, as in a goblin. Oh. He did not uh, eat two Sun Two very Tzu. different meanings for a moment there. Uh, at least I don't think he ate Sun Tzu. Maybe wow. that's like a white dwarf we I forgot to read. I got the wrong edition of Art of War, Christ. <laughs> the, <ending's a> bit, <laughs> the ending doesn't seem to match the rest of the book. Uh, the next one, which is by at uh, Marco oh, Marco Podolor. Sorry, bro, if I messed that up. Hashtag such is the power of I would resurrect Ferris Manus. After all the dramatic returns of 40k characters, it will be nice for absolutely nothing of relevance to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, poor Wait, Morgan, man. Oh, come on. We were oh, just talking man. about the Iron Hands <laughs> and how what, me and how like them was being trolled. The guy literally said Ferris Manus could come back and then no one would care. That's so <laughs> mean. He's not wrong. It does remind me, though, of like that, that comment of what was it? Um, Corvus Corax is so good at being invisible. People don't even remember him in the setting. Like, oh, him and Ferris. <laughs> <laughs> like the two where you're like, oh, yeah, like they're somewhere. At least Ferris, he can do it. Not Corvus. Yeah, at least he has the excuse of being joke. <laughs> No, I was at least Corvus. You can make the funny invisible joke. What joke can you oh. make for Ferris? Stop yeah. getting ahead of us. The head jokes, please. Ah, there we go. Did someone not? Um, I swear. Did someone send a picture like they had the new Ferris Manus? Oh, oh they just yeah, the new Horus Heresy art. <laughs> I'll put it in. It's and it's like, yeah. Like One of my guys head. on Discord cut the head off and like filled it in. I'm like, very clever guys. Very well done. But <laughs> oh, I can't approve of this. God, it literally comes back as a headless chicken, essentially. Oh, well, so I actually like Ferris, and I think he's cool. <laughs> Shut up, nerd. Although, what was it? I, I love, I love with the actual un uncut head off artwork. The the comment I saw was something along the lines of like, he looks like a rugby player called Shane. Like, oh, <laughs> it makes it sound uh, douchey. Like he just not. Yeah, but yeah. The, the the way his expression is, it looks like that. Shout out to all my Shanes. Shout out to Shane listening to this with his family. Uh, like Hashtag not expecting Shane a call Manus. out. Hashtag Shane. Thank you for watching, uh, Shane. And the last one was by Dominic Jackman 2529. Hashtag such is the power of I would resurrect Carl Franz, but instead of making him into a stormcast, I would have Nagash keep him as a thrall champion because he just ruins everything he touches. Bit mm. bit on and off that one, I'm not gonna lie. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that one. Yeah, had me in the first half, but Carl uh, Franz would break free. He's he's too good for Nagash. It's definitely an opinion though. It's controversial. Uh especially as Carl Franz does not deserve to be kept by Nagash by any means. Uh that would be I think people would actually riot if that even happened. He's he's, he's a Celestin Prime though, bro. I'm not coping. I feel like Nagash would get pissed off with his perfect jawline as well and be like, I'm not having that around me. People are going to go, oh, he's got a better jawline than you, Nagash. He's like, yeah. And you're just a skeleton. You're all jawline. Exactly. Can you imagine in the middle of the battle, he just, like, Nagash's hordes are just throwing themselves at 
the storm cast and he just hit randomly hears summon the elector counts just like i swear i've heard that before and it's just like did you like the guy next like did you say that like what <laughs> gets his head cut off uh i mean it doesn't need exactly the ferris treatment does he the reichland rune fang oh but having said that though uh thank you so much for your answers we really appreciate them a lot of them are uh particularly on point particularly the fancy ones we do wish you know maybe when we're all uh grandparents or you know granddad age or whatever we'll hopefully have <laughs> one of the fantasy back <laughs> oh, i think you're forgetting to shout out a very special answer someone gave <laughs> Oh, I, is it because the one that I I wrote an answer, which I said I would like uh, Carl I thought, Franz. Oh, no, no is there we, one? Go ahead. I, I thought you meant, uh, wasn't there one who just listed off all of Oh, yes, before we, before we forget, uh, unfortunately you couldn't include it in this one because it would take too long to read, but someone did mention that we wanted to bring back Cetra, and they listed every single one of his titles. Um, I'm not joking, check the comments on the Nagash video. Uh, we shout to you, brother. Yeah. We deeply appreciate that one. But when you hit show more, and then it's a three essay or three page essay, you know you found the right comment. That's a thing was. That's a lot. Of there was another comment that was something along the lines of like, "Oh, for ten k subs, you should have Colin read out the entirety of all of Cetra's names in an ASMR voice." I'll do that next stream. <laughs> I think people nice. would, people would enjoy that. For a total of three seconds, and then <laughs> immediately shut off. Too bad I'd keep going. I don't know. Colin's got that video on his channel that's just summon the elect accounts for what, like ten hours or whatever it is. I also have a video where I just read off all of his titles. And I remember the day when Horus shat himself as well. <laughs> yeah. Favorite comment I've got in any video. Uh, well, with that being said, though, uh, we do have another question for this week, which is. Uh, a little bit more Primark focus. This is hashtag Lost Primark. And we're looking for some funny, funny answers on this one. Uh, what is the name of the Lost Primark? And why was he censured from Imperial Records? Hashtag Lost Primark. Example could be he was, you know, Steve Buscemi and he was uh, censured for Imperial Records, as we said earlier, for being a Reddit user. Um, that's not, <laughs> don't, no one steal that answer. That's mine. Uh, but that's just a small example and with that being said though uh today we'll be continuing with our episode on the great crusade this is part three and we're following the next few legions we'll be doing white scars space walls and imperial fists and i'll hand it over to andy to take it away i was doing the recap Oh no, sorry, Colin's doing a recap. My bad. <laughs> sorry. Colin will do a small recap of what we have previously covered. Colin, take it just, away. Of course, thank you. Just a just a quick little recap uh from last episode. Uh the Great Crusade, for those who are not too familiar, was the Emperor setting out with his many legions of Astartes and normal humans to conquer the galaxy in the name of humanity, to reunite all the lost human worlds and expand even further if they have the time for it. Uh, it also, of course, had the secondary objective of finding his sons that were lost into the warp. Uh, which, you know, given that they were supposed to be the generals of his armies, he kind of really needed them. <clears throat> so, he set out across the galaxy with A, conquer it, B, find my damn kids. And for the legions we covered last time, 
the Dark Angels, what they were up to in the Great Crusade. They were the Emperor's first and arguably greatest, definitely most trusted legion, uh, given access to equipment from the Dark Age that not a not any of the other legions had. They had Men of Iron, which the fact they had them even in reduced capacity was insane because Imperium does not like AI, but the Dark Angels just got to keep a couple of them as pets. Uh, they suffered pretty heavy losses against the Rangden in the, uh, one of those, one of the wars against them. So, for that, and Lionel Johnson not being the most sociable of gentlemen, shall we say, he was passed over for the role, role of War Master, but nevertheless, they served with, well, uh, <clears throat> great distinction, and they were easily one of the most respected of the legions at the time. Uh, one of the, the next one, the Emperor's Children. Uh, for their stellar service, they were granted the honor of bearing the Emperor's own name. Uh, because despite the, uh, a gene seed crisis where they all, I mean, it was called the Blight. It was more of a, feel free to correct me on this, basically super cancer. Uh, was my, has always been my understanding of the Blight. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, they were nonetheless serving very well, and when they found their Primarch, they, uh, the issue wasn't fixed, but they had new gene seed, so it was kind of put off. Uh, and once, aside from that, because, or pardon me, because of this, when they, uh, they met, they found Fulgrim, reunited with him, and got new gene seed, they were given a new lease on life. They, uh, became one of the most, more morally upstanding legions, funnily enough, for what's coming later on the line, uh, with a bit of a bent towards perfectionism, which surely is not a sign of things to come for the Emperor's children. And the last legion we covered, the Night Lords, uh, Unlike the other two, they Iron were pretty much... Sorry, <laughs> Iron Warriors. Oh, oh, God. We haven't, I... we haven't done Night Lords yet. Yeah, I don't know why I wrote down <laughs> Night Lords. That's what it Pardon me. Iron <laughs> Warriors. Uh, they were... Uh, unlike the other two, when they found their Primarch, they got infinitely worse. Uh, because Perturabo, uh showed up, looked at their performance, and said, this isn't good enough. So he killed one in ten of their... Pardon me. Had the rest of his legion kill one in ten of them. And from that moment on, the Iron Warriors uh, became experts at siege warfare and were generally deployed to the worst of the worst war zones where they were just ground down into dirt because Perturabo did not feel like ever once saying, could I do something different? And they became a very resentful, bitter legion over their Primarch, the circumstances they were in, just reality in general. Uh, but fair's fair, they were very good at sieges. Uh, if you wanted a fortress cracked, you went to the Iron Warriors, who would usually take horrendous losses in both Astartes and normal people, but they would get it done. And uh, that was uh, that was a little recap of last time. Make sure to go watch it if you haven't. And without further ado, I will pass it on over to Andy. I don't know why I said Night Lords. I still don't know where that came from. <laughs> I mean, they both didn't get better with their Primarchs. <laughs> they both had a crap. I think, I think maybe that's what it was. Like I was just, th I was just thinking, yeah, they both got worse, and maybe that just filtered into my head. Nightmare and Dad four syndrome. times two is eight, so it's divisible. So yeah, it's, uh, who knows? But we'll be talk we'll be tackling them in the next episode, I suppose. But uh, today, uh, I'm actually front loading a lot of this episode. Today, I'm going to be discussing. Uh, the White Scars and the Space Wolves, and then Colin's going to bring it home with a good fist in at the end uh, with the Imperial Fists. Um, Which is specified that I is also... an actual legion. We're not 
doing something <laughs> on camera for the audio listeners. Okay, out. all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's going a bit too far. Just, just playing it safe. Just playing it safe. Um, but yeah, and also I love like the White Scar is my favorite Legion, so I couldn't not talk about them. So without further ado, let's talk about the Fifth Legion. Uh, back during the unification of Terra. The 5th Legion used to be known as the Star Hunters, and they were drawn from the Fulian Basin. Now, at first, there were actually only a hundred or so warriors, a couple of hundred maybe. So in a similar way to the uh, 3rd Legion, they were quite small numbers, but not because of, you know, space cancer. It was more of, oh, they, they were a bit more niche. Uh, and they would endure the harshest of all of Terra's environments and would... Earn a, earn a reputation as being like the scouts and the pathfinders of the emperor's armies uh, and this extended when they actually joined uh, the great crusade where even though they were few in numbers and they wouldn't really earn much glory because you know there's there's not really much you can like say about oh i found this this fortification it's like oh cool you're not getting a medal for that whereas the dark angels come and just smash it to pieces and they get like laurels of victory um but because of their speciality they would be set far and wide across the galaxy. Uh, in nature, they were very distant and solitary to their peers. Uh, they were reclusive in nature and had an independence to them. So they it's not that they didn't necessarily get along with other legions, it's just they didn't really need to be around them that often. They Why would they be around the big armies when they were at the forefront picking targets, weakening enemy fortifications for them to come in later on to kick down the last uh, remnants of uh, resistance? Um, but they, they didn't call for help they oft, very often, but they weren't vainglorious. This isn't them being egotistical and saying, we can do anything ourselves. It was more of a case of they didn't want to imperil other legions by not getting it done themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they became very good at being self-reliant, figuring out tactics which wouldn't cost them too many casualties and trying to be a bit clever about using hit-and-run tactics. Um, okay. They even had a motto saying something along the lines of, each day is a victory in itself. And uh, this really exemplifies how good they were at championing survivability against impossible odds. And for what it's worth, uh, were you going to say something, Colin? Say so they just they just also just didn't need the help a lot of the time. Yeah, which is fair was... enough. I mean, again, you mentioned briefly with the recap, like the Iron Warriors, they were like, "There's one way of war. You do that till you win." White Scars were like, "Nah, we're gonna like we're gonna use our brains a bit. We're gonna try and figure out. Okay, we're gonna we're not gonna have like a huge army at our back, but." Can we attack this weak point? Does that work? No? Okay, we could fall back. We could try again. Do a different composition of units, different weapons, uh, that kind of stuff. But inevitably, with time, the 5th Legion would be eroded. Their numbers would drop uh, until the discovery of everyone's favorite Primarch, Jagatai Khan, uh, the Warhawk himself. Now, uh, Jagatai was found on the world of Chagoris. Uh, which by the Imperial records would be Mundus Planus or Planus. Uh, big verdant open lands, lots of big grassy fields. Uh, the uh, the ruling tyrants known as the uh, Palatine, I believe it was, uh, were basically oppressing the tribes of uh, the various peoples of Chagoris. And Ong Khan, which would be Jagatai's adoptive father, found Jagatai in the plains and went uh, near the Kumkata Mountains and went, oh, look, it's a child. He'll be a great warrior. And... Um, Long story short, we did a video on the White Scars previously, and I've talked about it a bit more there, but long story short, Jagatai would have ambitions beyond just warfare. He wanted to unite his people, and with a few years of work and a bit of elbow grease, he managed to do it. He he conquered the Palatine, he united all the, the tribes of Chagoris, 
and with the arrival of the emperor, he was very swiftly being inducted into the ranks of the Imperium, much to the dismay of Rabute, Gilliman, and Dawn, because they didn't like how he did things. They were like, this guy is just some, you know, this, this horse-riding crazy guy with a cool top knot. He's instantly given command of his legion, and we don't like his shamanistic people's beliefs and his rejection of some of the ideals of the Imperial Creed. Uh, that's a bit cringe. It's like, no, Gilliman, Dawn, you're cringe. And then Chagoras uh, is united. Jagatai's got a legion. Uh, after a few com uh, campaigns across the stars of the Great Crusade, Jagatai was starting to get a sense of what uh, these new Ceramite-clad Astartes warriors were like, and he's now at this point uh, transformed his own men who have stood beside him into Astartes, uh, including chads such as Chinsha and uh, Tagutai Yasugai. They're awesome characters. Um, but after a while, he went, okay, we need to bring the, the Legion back to full strength. And bear in mind, for a few years now, quite a few years, I'm not exactly sure when Jagatai was found, but I think it's like the front half of all the Primarchs. Um, I thought he was found, I don't know if... it's like relatively in the middle slash like yeah, late it's like middle. Not, yeah. not early, not late. It's kind of in that we've got some Primarchs already. We've got Primarchs at home. But we've got more to find. <laughs> we've got Primarchs um, at home. We don't need to buy yeah. Primarchs. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, the Imperium's already kind of doing all right as it is. But I think they, they mention in Jagatai's book that when he arrives, because he goes back to Terra, doesn't he? Yeah. And then they he does said, some learning. Well, he said like um, when they arrived, so many Primarchs had already returned to the Imperium that the basically every time like when Horus arrived, there was a massive celebration. And then by the time Jagatai had arrived, it was like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, like a small ceremony. Again, <laughs> Party poppers and that. Yeah, and by <laughs> you the, get, by you the get end, a welcome card signed by Rogaldorn, like, "Hi, brother, nice to meet you." Signed, Dawn. Yeah, so re <laughs> relatively like late-ish, but not the very tail end of. I think they're all quite found close together towards the end as well, but it was sort of middle yeah. late. And and when you consider like Dawn and Gilliman have already brought their own empires into the fold and. You've got people like Ferris Manus and uh, Lehman Russ and Horus who've been there. They're the top. They're the fr first three who've been there every step of the way, mentoring their brothers. And all of a sudden, this guy Jagatai turns up out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, and he's going to take care of his his scattered legion. Oh, fair enough. Not not much fanfare. But um, as Jagatai got the hang of you know space warfare and the the objectives of the Great Crusade, he went, okay, we need to reunite the legion because everyone's spread out everyone's got a different you know this company doesn't know this company they're all a bunch of strangers they're all getting their own cultural trappings and making their own customs as they're across many different parts of the the galaxy all right i'm going to call them all back to Jagoras, and we're going to like we're going to do something to, to to bring us some meaning and so it took about i believe 20 years yes um, it's but eventually Definitely over a decade. So maybe maybe not 20, but definitely over 10 years for all of the expeditionary fleets of the White Scars to convene at Chagoris. And upon Chagoris, they would conduct what is known as the blooding by scarring their faces uh, with, with like ritual knives, abandoning their old names and adopting new names as they became, as a legion, the White Scars. And through this um, signifier of relinquishing the old, adopting the new and uniting under one banner of 
you know, the, the trappings and culture of the, of the Warhawk of Chagoris, uh, each Astartes would be unified in purpose and tr transform from strangers from across the stars into a united brotherhood. And um, I've actually got a quote. I was wondering if, if either Eli or Hal would like to read it. I put it in the side chat. Um, oh, wow, that's beefy, that one. <laughs> it's a beef. It's both a fair. This was beefier, but it's two characters as well. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, if I want to. If I go anything? Yeah, you can. That is a long one. Holy moly. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Apologies already for the uh, pronunciation on some of the names, <laughs> but I'll go for it. You are now of the Ordu of Jagatai, and your old life is no more. What name do you take to mark your ascension? Tamu had spoken it out loud many times in the days prior to the ceremony, getting used to the feel of it on his lips, trying to ease the strangeness of the transition. When he replied, it still felt jarring. Shiban, he said. Hasik handed him the glaive. You are one with the Ordu, Shiban. You are of the Brotherhood. You will not leave it except in death. May it be long in coming, and may glory accompany your deeds until that day. Shiban took the glaive in both hands. The weapon felt pleasantly heavily. Uh, the weapon felt pleasantly heavily. God damn, I can't get that one out. Pleasingly <laughs> heavy. Pleasingly, I got it. The weapon felt pleasingly heavy in his gauntlets. He ran his eyes up and down the blade, noting the glyphs on the metal. The gliding on the... There. The, gl the gilding on the disruptor casing. It was perfect. For the great Khan, he said, bowing respectfully, his heart full to bursting. Ah, oh, such a... Yes, hey. Legion... Best Legion for real. My favorite actually yeah. part about the White Scars is that they don't call themselves White Scars. Isn't that they get that name from uh, the other Legions who they just see the scar and then they wear white yeah. armor. They see these pale scratches on their face and they're like, oh, the scars. Yeah, yeah. But they, they, they more more or less refer to each other as the Ordu, Ordu Jagatai. Yeah. Um, they obviously have their own brotherhoods, like there's the Brotherhood of the Moon, Brotherhood of the Sun, Brotherhood of the Golden Star, which are like their their battle companies. Um, but yeah, I just I, I like that quote in that it, it kind of shows you like one of the Astartes. I think is Shiban Terran. I think Shiban he... Shiban is. Uh, I don't think Shiban is no Shiban's from the same clan. I think as uh, okay. Jagatai. I think you're I thinking, thinking of, of um, your th Organ. Uh, He's the one, the white scar who fights Abaddon in the Siege of Terror. Yeah, I think you're thinking. Oh, if, Jubal, yeah. He's Jubal, Terran Jubal's sure. Terran, but we'll, I, I had a yeah. weird thing I just noticed. It's kind of like has anyone here played Fallout New Vegas? Yeah, yeah. I need to. This is a. Uh, it reminds me of how you know Caesar in that game where he he asked like, why do you? Uh, or you can ask him why is why is everyone like dressed up like the old Roman Empire of like old. And he said he needed like yeah. a culture to essentially bind all the groups together, and it's a, yeah. I found like a weird link between this and Jagatai, where he sort of bound yeah. the many different uh, star phantoms into the uh, white yeah. scars. But, but again, it, it, it's like it, it, it worked a charm because it makes it makes sense of like you've literally had these companies roaming the stars for maybe as much as fifty to like fifty plus years. They haven't met their their other companies. They they have no bonds of friendship or loyalty. They're just like, oh, you're some other company that I don't know. Um, so this was just a way of them to go right. We're starting fresh, and we're gonna do it in in the the good old Chagoran way. 
and uh, we're going to get space bikes and it'll be really cool. Um, some of them fit in now, quite well, don't they? Like Jubal fits in, like some of the yeah. Terrans fit in almost like they were born of Jagoris and some of them quite yeah. don't. There's, there's even a bit I remember of like, they have like the fermented milk and some of them are drinking it and they're not quite used to like, mm, this weird like concoction that this Chagoran's drink. Fear. Uh. Fear. Mm. This is weird. Oh, well. life. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting again, like seeing the, and, and, and even in the Horus Heresy, there are characters who aren't from Chagoris or Terra who are put into the Legion and seeing their transition of like, oh, I am now a white scar. And this is what it means to be one of the fifth Legion. And we're bound by these traditions. And I think that's pretty cool. And like that quote does a good job of like, a character getting used to oh this isn't my name anymore now i'm this person it feels weird to say it and i've been rehearsing you know this being my name from now on uh but i think that's pretty cool now it's worth saying that during the great crusade uh white scars were by no means one of the biggest legions uh they had about eighty thousand astartes during the uh the what was known as the colon circle of planets uh compliance and Jagatai then, following the blooding, went, all right, now we're, we're united and we're a legion like my brothers have. We've got to do a trial by fire. So he used the Kolan circle as like an initiation. So he set all of his companies in the campaign. He, he divided them up and he said, okay, you're doing this, you're doing, doing this, you're doing this. And he basically made it so that they would be, every single company would be uh, overwhelmed with uh, opposition. So none of them had an easy time of it. And about one in ten of each of the companies would die during the five-year war, uh, which isn't the same as obviously like the decimation that Perdurabo did, where he said, "Oh, you're weak, so kill the weakest person." It was like, "No, I'm going to give you a chance to prove yourself in battle." And it wasn't like he was waiting for one in ten to die. It was more of a case of we've got to like make sure we're all up to standard. We're going to do this really grueling campaign, but I'm going to make it so that I test you to the best of your ability. And um, uh, each company wouldn't be supported for a minimum of three years of fighting, so they fought alone as a band of warriors until they were they were deemed worthy of their namesake of the White Scars. And um, this did really well. Again, it, it weeded out some of the people in the Legion who wouldn't survive otherwise. Uh, they never lost momentum nor retreated from their foes. And at the forefront of each of the, the main battles of this campaign, Jagatai was at the spear tip, and the Legion would always compete to be at his side when he was fighting to 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 prove themselves worthy of fighting with their Primarch. And it, again, it was like an element of, oh, I want to, I, wa I want Senpai to notice me. It's like, I want him to know that I'm a true member of the Fifth Legion. I'm going to fight alongside him. Yeah, I'm cool. Um, and yeah, over time, uh, they would bring many worlds into compliance, fighting shoulder to shoulder with other cousin legions until the pivotal uh, camp campaign of the Ulanor Crusade. Uh, during the Ulanor Crusade, obviously, the biggest orc greenskin uh, empire that had ever been seen had amassed, and the Imperium had to bring every resource to bear to try and crush them. So the White Scars did their bit, and at the final battle of Ulanor Prime, the White Scars stood alongside the Ultramarines, the Lunar Wolves, and the Emperor's own retinue to destroy Erlak Erg, who was the uh, the orc war boss in charge of the uh, the great uh, green skin tide and then they won the battle and the Ulanor uh, triumph happened and at that point there was no doubt that the white scars belonged among the rest of the legions as a, as a proper legion that had proven themselves worthy uh, they also even though they were proven in the eyes of the other legions people still mistrusted their their storm seers and their traditions 
during the Council of Nikea, which was the censure of the uh, the use of psychers within the Imperium. The White Scars Primarch would actually help draft the uh, Librarius alongside Magnus the Red and Sanguinius to try and regulate psychers within the Legions. But the White Scars particularly were conservative in the way they used the warp. And so during the Council of Nikea, they would be present to espouse the value of using psychers, but they also emphasized using restraint. Um, but with all this said, uh, they also followed, for example, the test of heaven uh, with the, the way they utilized the warp with their, their storm seers. And despite their best efforts, they were seen as barbaric and unseemly by other parts of the wider Imperium. And no one really understood the White Scars, no matter how many you know, cam campaigns they won, compliances they brought. Everyone was a bit unnerved by them just because they didn't understand them. Not in the same way of when you think of the Space Wars going, oh, they're just some barbarians from an ice world. The, the White Scars, they were like, there's something there, but I can't quite understand it. And, you know, and, and the White Scars never made any efforts to try and show their hand because they wanted people to underestimate them so that they could take full advantage if they needed to, to like to win battles or to, to gain the upper hand. Um, but with the Council of Nikea concluded, the White Scars would be banned from using any psychers, um, and they would continue, uh, they were they were the Legion tasked with mopping up the last remnants of uh, the Ulanor Orkwar that was pretty much broken but now dispersing across the stars, and prior to the Horus Heresy, this would be the last thing they did until, obviously, the, uh, the burning of Prospero, the Horus Heresy and everything else and that's basically a rundown of the White Scars and what they were up to uh, do we have any questions? I was going to say like a last, like a last um, statement which particularly if you're new to Warhammer you're kind of thinking oh, they, the White Scar, like what makes them uh, unique oh, well, the first thing we should probably mention is like speed speed, speed, speed boy, baby you know, they, 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 they are speedy boys they are the fastest legion by far they love their jet bikes, don't they, Andy? They love their jet bikes. And they like they, to go fast. Li literally, that's their whole point, is they would shock uh, and destroy. But also, they're kind of cool because they kept... They're similar to like what we'll, when we tackle the Space Wolves later. The White Scars, from their the culture that they birthed upon Chagoris, is still it's very present within... like Some of the legions can be quite... Um, not, I wouldn't say generic, but you know what I mean? They're quite imperial, whereas the White Scars are very much a Chagorian uh, legion, even throughout the Great Crusade, obviously when they were joined by uh, Jagatai. And they're very... Even like even in their early Great Crusades armor, they have um, all their cool stuff. That's my like kind of final thought. Also, I'm not sure Jagatai is quite Caesar from New Vegas, but you know there's some similarities <laughs> if you have played that game. It's a good game. That's pretty much it. Down with down with the legion, down with the litchy, down with the legion. Right, uh, I guess if there's no more questions, should we move on to uh, said space wolfy boys, the uh, the other quote barbaric legion that no one understands or understood or wanted to? Quite fitting that they're uh, the two barbarian legions, quote unquote, are together. Yeah, and and there's there's some interesting parallels, but uh, I should say before I start with the space wolves, the two legions don't get on. Uh, even in the forty first millennium, there there's a bit of animosity between the two because of the different ways they they uh, shall we say conceal 
some of their more nobler characteristics and how they portray themselves to the wider Imperium. Um, but let's start off by talking about uh, the history of the uh, the Sixth Legion. So uh, during the formation of the Legions, every Legion would be made with a specific purpose in mind. But the, the weird thing about the Space Wolves is they are the first of the, quote, Trefoil Legions. And each of these Trefoil Legions were made for a specific purpose. So the, the three are, you've got the 6th Legion, which is the Space Wolves. You've got the 18th Legion, which is the Salamanders. And the 20th Legion, which is the Alpha Legion. And the Emperor specifically kind of held back these legions to do a specific purpose the other legions couldn't do. Because although all the legions have a speciality in warfare these legions had a particular purpose outside of warfare. Now, uh, to talk about how they were drafted, uh, the Space Wolves were not a legion drawn from a specific place. They were taken from all across Terra, but the, uh, the, the unifying factor was they would draw from the most hyper-violent and savage of all the places on Terra. So if you're frothing at the mouth, you're probably going to get, get drafted into the Sixth Legion because for what they were destined to do, the the Imperium was like, ah, oh, we need this like nasty person who will like bite your ear off. That that that's the kind of guy we want in this legion, which is weird considering the the world eaters exist. But anyway, um, during the conquest of uh, unification of Terra, the Sixth Legion, although it was built up to strength, was deliberately held back from being deployed. Um, this is possibly due to the fact that they had a really high mortality rate when transplanted with uh, the Sixth Legion gene seed. Uh, it could also be for the fact that the Emperor was specifically holding them, pa the, them back for this purpose he had in mind. But either way, they were isolated from their peers and they would be spared some of the crises, such as the gene seed crisis, which ha uh, happened to the Third Legion. Uh, they'd be spared from being split up like the 5th Legion, they'd be spared from being completely decimated by endless meat grinder kind of warfare like the 4th Legion, or gene flaws like the 9th Legion. They, they actually did quite well during Unification because they were never really seen. But once the Unification Wars were over, and the, Greek, and the Great Crusade was put into its first really difficult steps to expand into the stars, then the Sixth Legion were unleashed. About 3,500 Astartes strong, they would be led personally by the Emperor during the uh, compliance of the world known as Delsvan. And the Delsvan civilization was particularly uh, technologically advanced. They had inherited equipment from the, uh, from the Age of Strife and the Dark Age of Technology, and only a really overwhelming force would be capable of killing these uh, these opponents. So the, quote, route of uh, terror, which uh, basically they were known as the jackals or carrion feeders of terror, were unleashed in their entirety to destroy the opposition of Delsvan, and they completely destroyed them, and there's not really any records of anything they did other than the fact that they didn't let anyone live, and there's no Delsvanian survivors left because... The route had their feed of the carrion of battle, and you don't need to know more than the fact that they were completely merciless and savage, and they got the job done uh, more than any other legion was expected to do. Now, over time, the route would grow in number, um, but they would still no no they wouldn't get to the same uh, size as say the lunar wolves or the ultramarines. Like they were about the third of the size of the dark angels or lunar wolves during the Great Crusade, uh, but 
despite the fact that they weren't a big legion, they nonetheless got many glories, many plaudits. Uh, they were extremely effective, but they had a huge civilian casualty rate and collateral damage. So you only really wanted to unleash the route onto an enemy if you didn't want anything left standing because they don't care if you're using human shields they don't care if you're using quote geneva conventions they're just going to butcher everyone in their path until the job's done um the geneva suggestions is what they refer yeah, to them the as that is brilliant. um and in, in a way because of the fact that they were so um undisciplined in that regard they were actually a very fractious internally legion like there were lots of uh conflicts within their own organization to the point where officers were appointed by pure martial prowess and strength so the strongest would become officers and if you weren't strong it doesn't matter what you say uh, but they also had this curse in their gene seed known as the canis helix uh, which would slowly begin to set in without the uh the the genetic materials of their primarch to resolve some of the flaws in its design um so at this point the, the route is not in a great place. They don't have a Primarch, and there's only one Primarch in the Imperium at this point, and that's Horus Lupercal. Uh, they're internally fractious, they've got a bad reputation, and there's flaws setting in from their gene seed, and without their Primarch, it's going to go really terribly. Luckily for them, the second Primarch to ever be found, Lehman Russ, would be discovered on the world of Fenris, a barren ice world full of terrible monsters and a Viking culture, feudal society... Um, and again, long story short about his uh, his own story. We did videos on the Primarchs, etc. Um, he would come to rule Fenris as a, bar a barbarian king uh, of the Ice Tribes. He would unite the entire planet. And with his introduction to the Sixth Legion, uh, the Sixth Legion would adopt the cultural trappings of Fenris. They would live in the image and shadow of their Primarch. And they would now regard themselves as the Vilka Fenrica. And follow, 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 fervently follow in the Wolf King's footsteps uh, with whatever he did. And it was actually a very good time for them because then they got to stabilize their gene seed. Um, a lot of Lehman Russ's men who had fought with him on Fenris were quite old. So there was a lot of casualties when they, were tried, when they tried to make them into Astartes. But the Astartes who survived the procedure were extremely, like, gruff and tough and dangerous individuals so now you've got this legion bolstered by even more uh you know barbaric killers in a way but also have this innate sense of fenris's honor and mythology and so it, it, it's a boon for the legion and now as the second legion to have a primarch appointed um the the route goes from strength to strength can i imagine um, something really like very yeah, space wolfy in wolfy <laughs> in terms of the law you know what their uh gene a uh, gene seed curse i mentioned this i think briefly in the um the wolfen. yeah the wolfen curse like the briefly in the primarchs uh podcast episode check that out um it's not called wolfen because when they have their for, if you're new to warhammer sometimes the gene seed that makes them into astartes is not it's a the, the emperor's put some weird stuff in there and sometimes, as you can tell, they're space wolves. They look a bit wolfy sometimes. There's a gene seed curse for some of the legions. And the space wolves are one of the legions that have it as well. Although it could be argued oh, quite a few of them, maybe all of them have it in some way um, in terms of temperament. But the space wolves have one called the wolfen, which means they kind of had the possibility of basically turning into werewolves. 
but they're yeah. not called Wolfen because they look like wolves. It's they're called Wolfen because uh, one of the men of Russ, who joined him in becoming a space marine, um, he essentially held resentment in his heart for Lehman Russ and the uh, trial for which becoming a space wolf, like the gate, you have to go through the gates of Morkai, which are like essentially they test you for like taint essentially from chaos um essentially his dislike for or his jealousy of russ allowed chaos into his heart and he became the first wolfen and he attacked russ so that and his name was wolfen so that's why they're called wolfens because they're named after yeah. things that essentially I, felt I like, know it's, that. it's so like <laughs> why, why why can they not just resist the urge to be like everything is actually named after this it's not it's not called this because you know like the land speeder. It's not called that because it speeds across the land. It's developed by Arkin Land. You don't need to do that, DW. <laughs> you don't need to name everything after a person. I just remember reading that. I think it was in the Ragnar Blackmane books. I remember thinking, what the hell? Because <laughs> they do, they meet. Well, there's two stages of that curse. You can have like Wolfen where they just, essentially their eyes start to glow yellow. And then they're a little bit more like wolf like. And there's like full on, they become savage beasts, like actual werewolves and wolves. And that's why the joke of there are no... I mean, they can't say it anymore, can they? But GW or something. But you there can't, are no wolves on Fenris. I mean, they yeah. shouldn't say it, but they still will. It's a, it's a <laughs> joke because it's meant to imply that the like gene seed or supposedly they became the wolves. Like, the people became the wolves. It, oh, God. Yeah, that's like, I just find that funny little story of like, they're called Wolfen because they're named Arthur a dude, not because of, they actually look like wolves. Oh, my God. Why do they keep yeah. doing that? <laughs> Well, so, to be honest, I did a I did a nearly one hour video on the Space Wolves talking about everything, and I've had a several comments being like, "Take a shot for every time that the Remembrancer says wolf," and it's like, "Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of there's Wolf Kings yeah, and Wolfen and the thirteen Wolf Spirits and the Wolf Packs and the Lone Wolves and the, the it's like Wolf 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 Wolf. Here come the Space Wolves. Um, but I should mention that they the the reason I've said the route is because of their their history as the carrion feeders of terror and the Vilka Fenrica is what they actually call themselves. They don't call themselves space wolves. That's basically a misinterpretation by the wider Imperium to go, oh, wolves, wolf, all the wolf trappings, pelts. They're in, oh, they're yeah, in the space. In space. Space wolves and the, 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 the Vilka Fenrica do not like it when people call them space wolves, but they are. Like so they the White Scars, essentially, like we mentioned uh, earlier. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's an interesting parallel. But it's, it's not as on the nose, at least. It was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, if you don't want to be called Space Wolves, why why do you call your battalions Wolf Packs and Wolf Brothers? And why have you got the Wolf Bane? And why are you wearing Bane? a wolf? And why is your name Scarson Wolf Wolfenson? Like, yeah, it's, it's an I, that, easy mistake to make. That, that really is the most spot-on bit in TTS, where the Emperor's like, all I got out of that was Wolf, 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 Wolf. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of wolf, 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 uh, Eli, I've put another quote in the sidebar. Would you fancy doing a oh. read of that for me? Yes, but I'm not going to do a space wolf accent. Sorry, bro. Okay, no worries. I wish it would be too bad. I can't do it. All right. As the strands of iron are twisted and hammered together in the forging of a killing blade, so shall we be. And I and my oath sworn have been in... Hold up. I'm having the same issue. Okay. I and my old sworn have been until now the wolves of Fenris, and you, cousins of my blood, the wolves of Terra. 
Together we shall become the wolves that stalk the stars, and the beasts that crawl and feed in the darkness of the void shall come to fear us, and know themselves hunted. Cool. I like the space wolves. Literally call there. themselves the wolves of Fenris, but calling themselves space wolves is like... <laughs> but no, uh, you're not allowed... Space wolves is not my pronoun. It's literally that energy, and it's, I don't get it. <laughs> Microaggression, you can't call me it space does well, I mean, again, they were known as the jackals of, of terror. And I know Horus didn't like the fact that people called them space wolves, because if you think about it, there's only two Primarchs at this point, and there's the lunar wolves and the space wolves. And Horus is like, that's my thing. Don't steal my thing. Come on. Stomps on the ground. <sighs> no. <laughs> Stomps on the ground. Gets in a bit of a tiff. Real yeah. reason for the Horus heresy. Yeah, it's all about names in it. Um, so yeah, so with with that all done, uh, Lehman Russ now has a very formidable legion at his uh, behest. So as soon as he's installed uh, to to bring compliance across the galaxy for the Great Crusade, he uh, he embarks upon the Wheel of Fire frontier to the galactic east, and this is where the Vilka Fenrica would exterminate the Xenos and some human uh, stragglers in that sector but it was a particularly tre treacherous kind of campaign they fought directly alongside the white scars and their primarch uh, to destroy the orc war of mashog but they also fought alongside the iron warriors but they didn't really like commend them for their actions they just called them comrades as like support units they were like oh white scars and us we did all the fighting the iron warriors were just there and they helped <laughs> i was like oh that's a bit Damn. poor roast poor fourth legion I think the only thing they did was like Perturabo helped like plot the trajectory of their like drop drop ship vectors, and they're like, yeah, that helped. I'm he didn't pretty do any sure like was in the planning <laughs> stage, and he's like, like Lehman Russ is already gone. He's already what? He's gone. <laughs> yeah, basically, and Jagatai is already on the planet. Like they've already left. Oh my! Like the two most impetuous legions who are like, I'll do it now. Like oh. Um, which I find is funny. They're like, Pertorabo's just there with his arms folded going, fucking... Anyway, um, but during this uh, campaign, the, the the Space Wolves would lose about one Astartes per a thousand orcs, which is pretty good odds. And uh, through, again, this trial of uh, blood and fire, they would be remolded in their Primarch's image, very much like the White Scars. Um, however, the, the Space Wolves, probably more than any, would create a lot of rivalries against their cousin legions throughout the Great Crusade. Um, and one of these would be uh, particularly well known um, with the First Legion, the Dark Angels. Um, ah, Doolin. At this point, this yeah, at this point, Lehman Russ is already a little bit salty in that he's been there since more or less the beginning, and the Lions turned up quite late in the game. And the Dark Angels have more compliances than the Space Wolves. And Lehman Russ isn't happy about this. He's like, I've been here since just after Horus, and this new upstar's here. And his Legion, although the Legion's already done a lot of stuff, since he's returned, he's like, he's killing it. I'm annoyed at this. Um, so they're doing this compliance of this world called Doolin. And the planetary governor, um, it calls calls the wolf king a swear he calls him a swear and he calls him fat or something i don't know he call he, he calls him a name and then lehman lap, ruskin lap really of the emperor like, i think it's the exact word isn't it <laughs> lap dog of oh the yeah emperor. yeah yes yeah lap dog of the emperor and then he goes i'm killing this man so they go and they start fighting and they do the warring and lehman russ gets to the uh the capital city he kicks in the door of the the throne room where this pl planetary governor should be and he sees the lion just standing over his dead corpse uh as, a, as opposed to an alive corpse he's standing over his corpse <laughs> and 
Yeah, and uh, necromancy exists in these settings. Yeah, gotta be Nagesh gotta be careful. Not in this universe, um, <laughs> unfortunately. No, but Vortarian's but... dad is. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so Demon Russ isn't happy. His honor, his chance to redeem his honor is now non-existent. He can't avenge his pride, and so he gets into a bit of a kind of like lion. How dare you kill this guy? I was gonna kill him. You you kill a sit like you you should have got an assist. You got a, you kill stealing me. You kill, and so lions like oh shut up and they get into a fight. It lasts over a day, um, and eventually, uh, long story short, they Riemann goes oh my god why are we fighting? We've been at this for a day. We're so silly. We're goofy goobers. And then lion goes you called me a what? And he knocks him out. So then the lion uh, the lion and the dark angels leave Dulan. The space wolves revive their Primarch from being unconscious, and then he's like, "Oh, where's where's the line?" He just sucker punched me. He's like, "Oh, he's gone," um, and that basically starts a ten thousand plus year old feud between the space wolves and the dark angels. That's one feud uh, for the books. Uh, they also would start a feud with the world eaters during their uh, night of the wolf, where the emperor heard that Angron and his legion were implanting butchers' nails into their men which is a big no-no because that's not a good idea by any stretch of the imagination. And so the Emperor dispatched Lehman Russ and his Space Wolves to uh, to bring his order to stop doing that. Um, and that was also following the Gena ma massacre where the Butcher's Nails fueled Astartes of the world. He has already gone on a bit of a civilian killing rampage. So not good by any stretch of the imagination I think and because of these gehenna's where they make it they find the technology to make the butcher's nails work on the world eaters before yeah. it just killed them all well just for reference yeah, yeah. if people don't know the the butcher's nails are like a, a brain implant that's cortical implant yeah it's, it basically only lets adrenaline like kick in when you're essentially massacring people so that's why the emperor doesn't want it <laughs> Big, like turns yeah. off the centers of your brain that aren't related to fighting and rage. Yeah, it's like, like SpongeBob. It, it blocks, it blocks off your endorphin receptors, your serotonin receptors. Anything you like, if you like, think of any time you've accomplished something or had a nice meal and it made you feel good, or you've done something nice. It's like you don't feel anything for doing any of that, and it's miserable. Makes and the only sad. reason you feel happy is when you cut someone's face off. Like, oh, okay, that's what the butcher's nails do. Right. It's, a, it's like the fine dining and breathing. All they know is uh, murdering and breathing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, um, and and because of these uh, these these acts of censure, over time uh, a nickname would be uh, attributed to the Vilka Fenrica and their Primarch. Uh, they would know the Wolf King as the Emperor's Executioner and his Dogs of War, and the Sixth Legion would be infamous as a legion that quite possibly also got rid of the the second and 11th legions of the lost and forgotten primarchs we don't really know much about them it's heavily implied that the rout were the ones who were the uh the damocles hammer uh the damocles sword of damocles over the neck of the primarchs of the second and 11th legion though we're not sure not much is known about it but all that is known is that when something is really, 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 really egregious, then the Emperor calls the wolves. He doesn't call the Dark Angels, who are the exterminators of the, the universe. He doesn't call the Ultramarines, who are the diplomats. He doesn't call the Blood Angels, who are noble. He calls the Rout, because they're just going to kill whatever he tells them to do. And not in a way like the World Eaters, where they're going to shred them to bits and get a bit like 
caught up in the bloodlust. It's like, no, they're just going to do their duty and then they're going to leave. Um, and that's kind of the reason he made them. That's why they're one of the trefoil. They were made as his enforcers. Um, and to an extent, this is also one of their biggest uh, flaws in personality because they are held in high esteem by the emperor personally and they are very proud of their uh their situation and their relationship to the master of mankind this would fuel uh a lot of their actions leading up to the horus heresy one of which being their compliance alongside the thousand sons during the arc reach cluster campaign where the 15th legion were bringing compliance to the world using their oogly boogly psychic powers until some of the members of the Thousand Suns started turning into abominations with a curse known as the Flesh Change. And Lehman Russ was not happy about this. He saw it as uh, as heresy and abominable, you know, warp manipulations. And he, he basically just culled all the, the Flesh Changing Thousand Suns. He almost went into a full-scale war with the Thousand Sons without the inf without the intervention of Lorgar Aurelian and the Wordbearers as like intermediaries. Like, Daddy, chill. Just standing between the two Primarchs. It was like that. that was <laughs> what that the was hell is nearly, that thing? Uh, <laughs> that was basically Lehman. Yeah, Lehman Russ going looking at a space marine turning into the flesh. Like, what? It? What the hell is even that? Um, there's a, and yes, I uh, love that scene because there's a bit where. It's because they're at this, they're, Magnus is like guarding the libraries of the world. He's, he's saying, mm. you're not allowed to touch this, this is mine. And the space wolves are like, they're like huddled together, like American football players. Like, oh, you know what I mean? They're like running together and they're about <laughs> to slam into the Thousand Suns. But no one's got their weapons drawn. All the space wolves have their shields out. And essentially, they have their like physical shields and the Thousand Suns have their um, psychic shields. And they literally slam together in a shield wall. And they don't, again, they're not firing at each other. They're just like, essentially, it's a match of yeah, wills. How much can we get away with? <laughs> it was like a, it was like a test of wills. And so, like, all the Thousand Suns are just using their magics. There's not as many as them, uh, many of, of them as the Space Wolves. But the Space Wolves are, like, just shoving. And they're essentially matched. And it's a really cool, uh, like, it, basically, it's a really nice imagery of, like, the two, you know, like, a historic shield walls just, like, clashing against each other. Although, definitely 40 k up a bit. Yeah, and the, and the router going, they're reading books, burn them! <laughs> they're reading books, nerds! Nerd. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, for this reason, they were a very contentious legion. They had a lot of bad blood with a lot of legions and Imperial armed forces. They, they were definitely like, you wouldn't want to cross them, but you also wouldn't want to say anything bad about them in case they, like, said, oh, what did you say? And they, like, sharpened their axes, you know. Uh, very scary dudes. Um, but they would also... Be extremely valuable to the Imperium. They they helped out with the uh, Rangdar genocides, where they they slew untold horrors across the deepest, darkest voids of the galaxy, killing some of the most disgusting and dangerous creatures that Imperial records don't have any records on. Because to even just think about these things is probably enough to drive people mad. So they go, no, just just kill them, just kill them. We don't need to know the details cool that's that's another imperial agri world saved that's good um and they always served their so-called all-father di diligently uh the space wolves never falter in their loyalty to the imperium even though they're regarded as barbarians uh, by the rest of the citizenry of humanity uh they are relentless in their conquests they've never betrayed the emperor they never betray the imperium even in the bleakest circumstances and that's why the route have a, a checkered past but also are 
even in the 41st millennium, upheld as one of the most reliable of all the founding legions and chapters, because when you need something to get done, you, you call the route. It will get done. It won't be pretty. It won't be virtuous, but it'll get done. And that's basically what they were up to during the Great Crusade. I love the part where uh, Colin's going to really enjoy this one. Um, the space <clears throat> wolves wear, like, you know, they wear lots of, like, furs and cloaks and talisman and things like that. They, when they, there's a bit in the Great Crusade where they fight alongside the Thousand Suns, and they are on this planet, and it's scorching hot, this planet. Like, even the, the Thousand Suns are using their psychic powers to, like, cool themselves down because it's, like, hot. And they're, even then, they're struggling. But when they're marching up this mountain, the space wolves next to them, covered in furs and cloaks and everything, are completely fine. And then, like, <laughs> the Thousand Suns kind of go, why are they, like, all, like, fine? And essentially, they come to, like, oh, it's the gene seed. Something about their gene seed helps them deal with extreme environments. So even though, so basically, they, can, they don't need to wear their furs in extreme cold. They just do it. And they wear the furs in extreme heat too, because <laughs> they can. Like, like when you see pictures of, of Rob Zombie in a leather jacket in California at like summertime, you're like, dude, take the jacket off. It's obviously warm. It's okay. They are literally you don't have to look. They're the kid in school who wears the hoodie on the hottest day of the year. Like <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's their like vibe. And it's I remember just seeing that, and it's so annoying because like God, like come on, their GC actually is pretty. Like when it works. You know, they're not turning to wolves. Actually, probably one of the most OP out of all the gene seeds in terms of like, you know, like a base space wolf is probably better than most of the other legions in terms of just a if base it, character. If it weren't for that big old asterisk. Yeah. And also, the <laughs> failure rate is pretty high, I think, with the. Yeah, space I mean, wolves. even when, like I said, even when they were during the uh, Unification Wars, like, most of them died. So it's like, you only get maybe one in, like, three in ten become Astartes or whatever it is like or three in a hundred but you're gonna be good warriors yeah but i thought you'd enjoy that little tidbit there colin <laughs> yeah i mean that's the vibe to it's be vibe. to be fair it is it is drip or drown in all cases uh that's right that's it, the, it's it's stupid it's stupid don't get me wrong but you know if uh if the choice if in a in a fictional you know realm such as this uh, if given the choice between uh, dripped out or sensible clothing, it's no choice at all. Very true. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think the wolf pelts look particularly good, especially those damned helmets of theirs. Uh, oh, the wolf but... helmets. Yeah, the limit to not. We don't talk about the helmets. Not a Viking. No, too much wolf. Pain. I know. I, I think the the thing that gets my goat with the space was when they have the shields with like the wood on the front. So. Why would you have wood? Like mm, metal mm. shields. Like you can you can carry it. It's not going to be heavy. The aesthetic got, like, world. I'm I've sure got, like, there's oak shields. Oh, that was from the plasma bolt. It's, yeah, it's I'm, I'm sure if you wood. look hard enough. Yeah, I was gonna say there's some passage where it's like it's not just wood. It's that that the rare adamantine tree from the the non-existent jungle of Fenris or some shit like from that. From Odin's arsehole. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah. is, it's, it's fair enough with the white scars where they, they make their, their staffs for the Stormseers with the, the wood from the bark of the trees from the Kumkata Mountains. It's because they're okay, wizards. Like, yeah, it's because it's they're Stormseers, but like the white scars don't go around like, I'm going to carry a sword with like a blade made of bamboo shoots. Like, no, it's like, it wouldn't be effective. Like, why would you use anything that grows rather than like metal? 
Ugh, it just, I don't know. The, well, hang the, on the now. Just kind of gets cool, but still. Let's not say too much about growing. You grow wraith bone, and that shit's pretty pretty good. Yeah, but that's mythical. That's like adamantium or like uh, that, fun, that is fun fair, fantasy. That, stuff. That's, that's so, also so magical so out material. <laughs> so is ceramite. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, but but it's is ceramite like, grown? No, as in like no, it's basically no. it's fancy made up. It's not. The oh, thing yeah, but, but but like plasteel and ceramite and stuff. At least it's like oh, it's manufactured. But it's like I'm just gonna put wood on my shield. Like no, I don't care. I don't care if it's like um, steel bark or whatever you're gonna call it. Like it's made of trees. It's maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's the greatest kept secret of the of the wolves that they're such good painters that they just paint their shields to look like it's made of wood. Uh, uh, no, wood stupid. <laughs> I don't think any of them live long enough to be good artists. That's the problem. Just getting like expert painters like in the Warhammer painting community there with like the shield, like all right, and this is how you do the pattern, and you use this with the brush stroke, so it looks like bark. You see, and they're like, oh, I do see. That's pretty cool. For every like savage and you know executioner style space wolf, there's you know one in every thousand is like a Bob Ross style <laughs> space wolf. He's like just gonna go, <laughs> just gonna cull some zeros over there. Nice isn't, trees. Isn't there like a cool Dad the trees a cool passage on the side. <laughs> in, isn't there a cool passage in one of the uh horus heresy books where like the salamanders work alongside um the space wolves and one of the one of the salamanders he's like oh my pauldron's damaged and he's like oh we could like put a, you're one of our brothers we could put a wolf there instead and he's like no like we do we do that ourselves we do our painting by our own artificers and then by the end of the book he's like all right go on and then he like yeah. he scratches like a wolf Cita head Terra... into the side and he's like oh that's pretty cool Cita Terra fury of magnus i think it is one of the yeah. uh, space wolves is like you know yeah, yeah let me let, can i carve a little you know now we're brothers can i carve a space wolf symbol onto your pauldron because they do that and can i put a little wolfie and then the salamanders because <laughs> the salamanders legion have to they basically most of them like forge or at least they maintain their own equipment and they paint their own yeah they venerate craftsmanship as like part of their identity so it is like a guy saying can i just put my you know tape a banana onto a wall next to the van gogh essentially (laughs) (laughs) it's like that it's like that one lady that tried to fix up like the mona lisa or some other oh my god the the jesus yeah the jesus in the thing and it looked like oh yeah yeah, jesus but blurred Where it's like it was done with the best of intentions. You are making it worse in every regard. That looked like someone uh, like Jesus was a cake and someone sat on it. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just love the idea of like the the salamander's got this pauldron of like immaculate dragon head design with filigree, and then like underneath it's just like a stick figure wolf that the the space has been like that's yeah, an awesome. arm and some fingers. <laughs> he, there he, he was... is. He's a he's a happy little doggo. <laughs> he, he was trying. He, he was oh, trying to make friends. It's like getting a kid a marker pen and a friend's house, and he's like, go nuts, <laughs> and he just starts drawing on the walls. Like... <laughs> exactly. Do you think the Emperor in like his golden fridge ever put up one of Lehman's artworks like on the front? He's like, very good, Lehman. Good <laughs> oh, <job." my> <laughs> oh, I like to think that... Oh, I mean, it's like that, there's that meme of like Conrad Kurz and the Emperor. It's like, what are you writing there, Conrad? It's like, this is a list of people oh, yeah. who love me. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Cross me out. And he crosses him out and it's blank and he just cries. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then he kicks it, I remember. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, next episode, next episode. Uh. But I believe if that's all we're going to talk about with the, the fifth and the sixth legion, it's it's Colin's time to to give us a fisting. So okay. give us, could give I, us your best. Could I quickly dive back to the wolves just to talk yeah, slightly a bit about i just just because i love i love lehman's original story of how he was found by the emperor mm. oh god 
It was, oh, okay. it was, this is just my favorite thing ever. So, you know, the Emperor was being Odin, so he took the guise of a, an old, wizened man. He shows up to Lehman as he's, you know, he's the king of Fenris. And he's uh, reveals himself, and he challenges him uh, to contest, because Lehman's like, I'm not just going to serve you. you got to prove, prove that you're worth it. Uh, so, you know, the Emperor, you know, he wins the first couple of challenges. You know, no sweat, he's the Emperor. And then they get to an eating and a drinking contest. And the Emperor simply cannot win, uh, because Lehman is going full Viking. He is too good at eating and drinking. The Emperor's like, what, what's going on? I can't, I can't win. Uh, and as Lehman is laughing and gloating, he just clocks him on the head and knocks Lehman out. <laughs> I like, and then it's something along the lines of he's like, "Oh, you're just a fat pig who drinks and eats all day." And he's like, "What?" And then he goes into like an actual like fighting trial <laughs> with the emperor, going like, "You, you're, you gluttonous, like, <laughs> sitting in your gaming chair, eating all day." You oh, so dumb alcoholic. Like, My man, you look know, oh. you know, like the toy repairer from Toy Story Two <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, he was a cool guy. Bro, that scene where he actually repairs Woody is still pretty elite, but... I love that scene. But he's still an absolute... It's amazing. Woody. He's just like, no! <laughs> uh, what a but... weird twist of Toy Story 2 slash Warhammer crossover. Uh, I can't wait for Buzz Lightyear to get his own Space Marine chapter. That'd be so good. <laughs> I've seen people paint him in that style. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It, it actually looked really good. Uh, but uh, we'll cover the Star Rangers, or whatever they were called, uh, that chapter later. <laughs> uh, for now, it is time for the Legion's, uh, the Seventh Legion, the Imperial Fists. Uh, their Primarch is, of course, Rogaldorn, the one and only. And as a quick side note, I know some people say the Fists are rather boring, and I get where it comes from, but I don't know. I like them, although admittedly, uh, I like them largely because of how I play strategy games. Uh, one... The thing they're most famed for is fortifying the ever-loving, like, hell out of everything they go. Fortify, uh, fortify, as, fortify. Fortify, 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 yeah. See, see, see. As, <laughs> as someone who is allergic to aggressive gameplay in a strategy game, I appreciate that. I, uh, I'm a big fan of just turtling and fortifying until no one can bother me in my little corner of the map. Unfallen pilled. Uh, <laughs> I, love the I love my trees, Eli, what can I say? <laughs> My man would not make it in competitive Age of Empires. Nah, Favors are coming to eat you alive. <laughs> not if I grow. Not if you get caught by pirates in your first sector. <laughs> uh, to, get, to get away from endless space. Uh, the second reason I like them is that the fists are reliable. Uh, with their gene seed, it's actually very stable. There's not really any mutations about the only thing they've lost over time is the Betcher's gland, so they can't spit acid, which given that most of the time Space Marines have a helmet, doesn't really matter. Uh, that would only be harmful to them to be using that like 99.9% .9 of the time. And the sus and membrane, uh, Among Us will reveal oh. sound effect, uh, which uh, keeps them from entering like hibernation, stasis mode, whatever, however you want to think it is. Uh, and even beyond that, when they show up, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get the experts in fortification. They're going to build the best damn fortress you've ever seen. And they're going to go crusade and beat the hell out of everyone around them. Uh, which, again, influenced by my strategy game uh, likings and tactics. But I like the classic, reliable, you have this, you know exactly what you're going to get. And that's what the fists were. They were 
not the most, uh, perhaps the, like the most, I don't know, glamorous tool in the shed, but they're reliable. You know what's going on, and you're going to get good results with them. Like a trowel. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, and you can build a hell of a fortress with a trowel, as long as you have long enough. Uh, as for what they are, what they, what they are, what they are, what they were like, what they were doing uh, early on, as with all other legions, they would uh, start on Terra. Uh, unlike the other ones, though, uh, the fists were not really drawn from a specific location or type of Terran people. They drew from Terra as a whole, uh, to the point that even if, like, say, I don't know, let's say. Hive America, or whatever they call the U.S., like Mer America in 40K, is like, say that belongs mostly to one Space Marine Legion, the Fists are still gonna, they're still gonna scoop a little bit under, uh, on the side, a couple of those recruits, even if, say, it, that belongs to the Dark Angels or Ultramarines or something. They're like, we, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna take some of these. Uh, about the only commonality, major commonality between the Fist recruits is that they were, uh, endurance, uh, focused, so they're gonna they're going to see the job until it is done, no matter what. And they're rather taciturn in nature. Uh, has anyone here ever watched Dragon Ball Z abridged? Oh my god, it's been a whole you know the, minute. Do you know the joke about Tien, where they're always like, "I can never read that guy." Oh, it's, been, it's been so long, I man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's I don't know. That's what when I was reading, that's the image I got in my head for the fist. So they're they're like very taciturn, stern go about their job, and that's about it. That's that's the image you got in my head for them. They're permanently squinting. I don't know why. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're such they're a like weird Clint, e Clint Eastwood. Oh, like Bill Clinton for a second there. It's like, all I need to do is support, I, I, I build some fortifications. <laughs> don't know what... <laughs> I, don't, I didn't draw that connection. God, we're uh, a, bit, a bit too political. <laughs> uh, uh, the reason for them being taken from like all across the planet isn't completely known. But the process of implanting their gene seed was apparently incredibly painful and just inflicted great suffering on, you know, the implantee. So it could have been a way of just hedging their bets, as it were. So it's like, listen, a lot of you are going to die going through this. So if we just take everyone we can, someone won't die. At least a couple of you aren't going to die from this horribly invasive procedure. Uh, a bit more poetic example... Uh, reason could be, you know, they're Terra's legion, they draw from all across Terra. Uh, if you'd like to be a bit more poetic about it, uh, a bit more reasonable, is that, yeah, it just killed so many people, they gotta take what they can get. Uh, they uh, went across Terra, and as all the Space Marine Legions, well, not all of them, but many of them, did uh, had some great victories under their belt. The uh, When I was reading something that was briefly mentioned in a single sentence was the battle for the Crystal Sea, the Imperial Fists won, which couldn't find any detail on it beyond the name, but hey, it sounds really cool, so whatever you might imagine that is, the Imperial Fist got a dub there. Uh, and they even fought in the Himalayans themselves, uh, around the capital of the Emperor's realm. Or, you know, the Himalayas, as they call them in 40k for some reason. I just realized, uh, you said a Crystal Sea, there's no more oceans left on Terra, so where the hell was that? I'm guessing maybe it was some... Psyker thing. I mean, it's one of those 40k lore things. Like, damn, that sounds cool. I wish it was more than just a sentence. I need a cool name or something. <laughs> uh, checks list. <laughs> something. Just discount names or something. And uh, the the one that I took biggest note from was in the Himalayas, where they fought against a group of psychers and took some pretty heavy losses, but proved victorious, which is a testament to their endurance. They 
I mean, they fought against magicians, and the Imperial Fists are fortifiers and crusaders, not really known for their uh, librarians and whatnot, and they still prove still prove victorious despite the uh, the onslaught of evil wizards. So they're uh, they're very good at what they do, uh, and frequently they would employ themselves at many times the strength of like uh, you know the average chapter. And I know they're legions, but chapters were still groups uh, during the legions. It was just like a subgroup of a legion. Uh, they would deploy themselves at many times, not quite full strength, but close to it, to make sure that whatever they're fighting, it's gone. It's not going to be a problem for long. Uh, just to completely crush them. And they did, uh, they did, sure enough, set up many fortresses across Terra. But unlike what you might think, they did not man them for very long, because something people forget about the Imperial Fists, uh, especially compared to their 40k incarnation, is that they were crusaders. Uh, they didn't just sit behind their walls. They, bu they built them, made sure they were garrisoned, and then went out to the next conquest. Uh, because the fortresses were as much a fortress as they were a message. It was this great looming thing, uh, towering over the people they recently conquered as a message of, hey, we're going to come back if you do not, if you don't behave. So the Imperial Fists were perhaps not as good as, you know, Lorgar or Gilliman and as, like things like diplomacy and making sure people get the, uh, are brought over to their side. But if push comes to shove, they can, uh, they can, they can make a good threat when they really need to. And a castle's a damn good threat, if I say so myself. Ooh, pardon me. Uh, and their name even comes from their actions here, uh, with his fortress and whatnot. People said it was uh, as if the Emperor descended upon the land and clamped it with an unbreakable fists, which is mm -hmm. where he gave them their name, the Imperial Fists. And I do have to say that Imperial Fists does sound cooler than the Unbreakable Fists. I don't know, how do you guys feel about that? Just uh, flows off the tongue a little bit better, I feel fist like. It sounds like a monk subclass in D&D &D or something. It, yeah, it's like it, it flows off the tongue a bit better, Imperial Fists, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Now that I know the story behind it, it does sound better, but when it first hits you, like Imperial Fist doesn't really... I mean, Black Templars hit a little bit harder than just Imperial yeah. Fist. But now that I kind of know how it or originates, it sounds a little bit like, ooh, a little more hardcore. Yeah, that's fair. I do, I do also like the... Uh, there's like a bit I remember reading a while back about during the Unification Wars... They were said that the Imperial Fist's bodies were part of, like, the foundations of the fortifications they built. Mm -hmm. So, like, when someone would fall, they would build around their, like, body. And it's like, we are in the walls. We're literally in the walls. That's how fortify we they're, are. And it blesses our the buildings. walls. With their sacrifice. <laughs> like, oh, they're pretty hardcore. Hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, even fitting, because a lot of times they were called the bedrock of the Imperium, considered as mm. such as it were. Ooh. Shout out uh, to all very the people fitting. who are fortifying the like button whilst they're listening to this video. Any chance to say fortify the like button, to be fair, in any, <laughs> any opportunity is needed. Fortify the, lo uh, the like button and lay siege to the subscribe button. Lay Indeed. siege to the subscribe <laughs> button, do it! Uh, when the Emperor gave them the name Imperial Fists, they accepted it in a manner very fitting to themselves silently with little to say on the matter and they're like thank you big e for the name we're gonna go off and shoot someone again uh and now the fists are off uh terra is largely conquered and uh it's time to deal with that issue of the primarchs who again theirs as with all except one of the others alfarius i guess was hiding in a cabinet somewhere on terra the whole time 
they had to go get him back after they were stolen away by the Chaos Gods and or their mother, who thought Big E was a bit of a dickhead, uh, depending on whether or not you want to acknowledge Erda. Uh, and so the Great Crusade for the Fists had the same objectives as most of the other legions, conquer the galaxy for humanity and find their Primarch. And they set about. And I believe it was, if you do please correct me on this, but after several decades, they found Rogaldorn on Inwit. He was the seventh Primarch found. Uh, which, hey, seventh Primarch for the seventh Legion. And uh, they found him, uh, along with, you know, the Emperor and whatnot. He came to go find his kid. And what would soon become their fortress monastery, and almost their second homeworld, the massive Dark Age station known as the Phalanx was given to the Fists and Rogel Dorn. So they're coming together pretty swiftly as we know them uh, from 40k. Uh, they've got the Phalanx, their Terra's Legion. They, uh, I feel like more than a couple of the others, kind of took shape into what they would become in 40k quicker than a lot of the other Legions. Uh, not quite the same. For the uh, audio listeners, can you describe slightly what the phalanx looks like? Because it's hard to... You've seen it in, like, Battlefleet Gothic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's... I, massive doesn't even begin to cover it. It is this unbelievably gargantuan space station from, like I said, the dark age of technology when stuff was just, just straight up better. So it had the best equipment, the best guns, the best shields, the best armor plating, the best of anything you could possibly want on a space station. And it's basically so big that I believe even when they were a legion, just the Astartes wouldn't be able to man all of it, because, again, I cannot understate enough how damn big the phalanx is. It is... It looks like, fitting... a, like, a, like a cross church, doesn't it? Sort of design, but then it's a little bit Death Star-y in terms of I, that's that's to it. but yeah by 40k like when it makes its appearance in battlefleet gothic it's it's a massive <laughs> like round big space station with cathedrals uh, on it i just don't I, wonder i think i've once described it to a friend of mine as imagine the holy roman empire as a ship just put the entire yeah, that's, empire that's a pretty good way of putting that combine yeah, it stick it together and it's floating in space and it's got big spires and it's got more guns and more docking ports than anything it's the biggest ship ever and it's pretty cool Look, look at a map of Germany in the Middle Ages and then just put it in the sky. And you wow. got now I can yeah. imagine some Habsburg chin-looking mother effer who's just like <laughs> rubbing his, you know, inbred chin and being like, that looks like a nice spaceship you got there. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they say that Rogaldorn's continued survival confused the Imperium at large. <laughs> I love that bit about Charles II of Spain. And his uncle was his... Cousin was his... Dad? I, I, we do not have time to get into Habsburg genetics. You need no. a PhD to figure that out. Well, it's not really a tree; it's more of a circle. But uh, still, it's, it's, yeah, it's a family Christmas wreath. <laughs> uh, but hey, they found their Primarch, uh, and it's about to scale up in operations because I believe it was I read for 16 decades. Rogaldorn led the Imperial Fists, which, in case that slips by you. That's 160 years of the galaxy getting a good fist in uh, from Rogel Dorn and his children. Uh, <clears throat> pardon hey, yo. me. Ayo. Hey, that, uh, <laughs> that was a hell of a sentence. <laughs> yep. oh, so he, he, uh, he accepted his legion. He came about, took charge, and it was time to do what the fists were known for galaxy-wide. 
his their reputation as the stalwart defenders and crusaders of mankind would only get out or only blow up from here. Uh, something I really took note, uh, I really found interesting, was that uh, Horus himself uh, at one point was noted saying if he ever had to attack the Imperial Fists, like in a war, he, he would not win. Uh, he would say that the Fists were simply so good at fortifying, defending locations that it would be a never-ending stalemate. Uh, yeah, something along the lines of the Masters of Defense versus the Master of, like, shock attacks, and it would just be a stalemate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would, it would be an endless meat grinder for all eternity. Uh, and, of course, something I feel I should remind people is that in a defensive war, a tie is a victory for the defender, which essentially means Horus could not win. He would not achieve victory, he would lose. Because uh, the defender just has to sit behind the walls and wait for the attacker to die or go away. So, as far as I'm concerned, that means Rogaldorn would be able to beat Horus if push came to shove. Uh, do with that what you will. That's just, that one is a bit more of me saying that, but Horus saying I could not beat him, that is canon. Uh, like Andy said, the masters of defense versus the masters of offense and shock assault. Uh, a further note is that despite this reputation they have for being just stalwart and reliable in their conquests, they weren't like, they weren't brain-dead. It wasn't like, it's like, oh, I'm going to build a siege, and if the siege doesn't turn out, it's like, well, guess we're done here, call another legion. It's like, no, they were not completely immune to, you know, flashes of inspiration, like, wait, we should actually do this, this would be a much better plan. Uh, which, in my mind, is what really differentiated them from the Ultramarines, who, they're also renowned for being quite disciplined and being able to follow battle plans to the letter. Because uh, the way I think of it is, for example, you know, the Ultramarines... They're probably going to be able to execute a battle plan better than the Fists ever could. But when something comes up that the Ultramarines do not have a plan for, maybe they've not lost the war, but they're definitely going to lose that battle. Uh, it's not going as the simulation said, so the Ultramarines are going to lose. Whereas the Fists, maybe uh, it'll hurt, but they they could have one trick up their sleeve to attain victory. They might pull something out of, the, out of their um, sleeves and be like, hey, I can, uh, I can do this. What's I mean, there, there, there is an interesting parallel with that example. Like, you've got Alexis Pollux, who was a captain who, during the Horus Heresy, was extremely good at naval warfare. But he was somewhat mentored by his predecessor to be like, oh, he's unconventional, but he's got a good idea. Whereas the Ultramarines, Aeonid Field was being marked for censure for thinking mm -hmm. outside the box. And in a similar instance, he only helped the Ultramarines survive that encounter by breaking the rules and doing his own thing. And they were both very much in a similar rank, in a similar position, and a similar environment. Uh, the methodology mm -hmm. changed. You know, Alexis outcome. Pollux dies off-screen. I know. Yeah. It's so I sad. saw a meme about that. Hey, we're not, we're not there yet, don't worry. That's a bit of a spoiler. There's also a good... Yeah. Um... It's not a spoiler, though, because it's not in the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a good comparison with the Ultramarines here as well, where the Imperial Fists, as well as the Ultramarines, had a section of the legion that was filled with uh i guess members who didn't really necessarily fit the overall legion culture so the example in the imperial fist ones would be the soldiers who would eventually become like the black templars which are like the ones like sigismund which are yeah essentially the really the ones who are not like they were they they're okay defending but there were there's a section of the imperial fist like i'm definitely okay with going on the offensive here and a bit more Kind of like Dawn's attack dogs, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that matches up with like the reputation they're getting. They're not just defenders, they're crusaders. They go out and conquer. Uh, especially, like you said, the Sigismund and the Templar brethren. Uh, thinking the Imperial Fists are only good at like shooting and hunkering behind walls is uh, was probably the last thought of many a planet who thought they could take them before Sigismund tore ass through their front line and shoved a power sword <laughs> into their head. It's also crazy that they had... I think the Imperial Fist, despite having what would be like the most generic slash safest gene seed in terms of like other legions had specialties and like boosts that they got like each warrior got from their gene seed and imperial mm. fist didn't have that but yet they produced some of the best warriors in terms of actual combat like even that sigismund is literally considered the best space marine who's ever lived in terms of combat he was literally undefeatable and he killed pretty much every one he ever came out abaddon and they yeah. have the coolest successor chapters they do. Oh, poor, unfortunately, what, uh, do you, you don't think the Nova Marines are cool? Uh, okay. Or the, like no, no, not, not the Genesis. The Gen- I meant the Genesis. <laughs> oh, chapter. yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. The Genesis chapter. I was trying to make a joke about the Bark and Brand uh, Ultramarines, and I said the wrong good one. Good old Genesis. Good old Raspberries. <laughs> Gotta love them. Also, everyone is racist in 40k. That's not yeah, a standout yeah, quality. I think the Nova Marines are like, are like extra. Last night's aired. Never mind. It's all right. We hate Xenos here. Oh, okay. oh, all right. I love Gene Steelers. You're about to do no, what about Xenos the Necrons? Soon. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> and Necrons. And yeah, I hate Xenos, which is everyone other than Necrons. So How can you still, that's, still Xenos? That's, that's fair. Necrons are more like, you know, like appliances. They're like, like laptops hey, or hey. like a toaster. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you, you, you will suffer a celestial orrery to the face <laughs> for such comments. <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah, the fists, they, they weren't a what, like the whole point of what I was going to, they weren't, they're not a one trick pony. They can fight perfectly fine. Uh, something else fitting is, uh, some Rogaldorn even was criticizing Alfarius for. He's not unaware of other methods of war than, you know, fortress building and a crusading assault. Pardon me. Uh, at one point he chews out Alfarius for using just horrible tactics, but he does it by Alfarius's own standards. Like, because mm. Alfarius had just basically oh, killed an entire n- noble population of a planet at once. And Rogaldor, instead of being like, oh, you should have bunkered behind a wall and laid siege, he was like, listen, by your own metrics, you messed up because there are infinitely more effective like surgical strikes and tactics you could have done to get this done, but you chose to go for the shock value of, like, you know, kill everyone at once, which maybe, yeah, worked, but it was the most inefficient, costly, unnecessarily brutal way you could have gone about it. So it's not that he doesn't understand. Like, he, yeah, he's a living brick wall, Rogaldorn, but I think it's fair to say he's choosing to specialize in what he knows best rather than just being unable to do other methods of warfare. I think also, ethically, he says, because um, that's a really good scene with Alpharis, I think he also states that the reason he chooses to fight the way he does and the imperial fists do was because whoever they fight they choose to fight their warriors their soldiers so they don't kill like innocents and things like that Mm -hmm. they essentially they're they're, you know they literally are two empires clashing and warriors fighting each other so they're they're fighting people who are willing to step up and actually take the role of being a soldier not people who are not involved in that you know or you know Mm -hmm. dishonorable way so they even though maybe more people would die but there are people who are willing to actually, you know what I mean, like, put their life on the line rather than people who didn't want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were 
and yeah, Rogaldorn was definitely one of the more morally upstanding of the Primarchs. Uh, granted, not not the hardest bar to pass uh, for what that's worth, but he usually did not uh, just blow his way into civilian compounds as a way to achieve victory because it'd be quicker. Like you said, he fought warriors of other empires. He wasn't going to you know a refugee center and blowing it to hell because it was more efficient than not. Uh, and where was I? Ah, oh, pardon me. Uh, I would say it also, I also think it makes sense that he knows about all the other methods of war. Because if you want to build a fortress, it's more than just four walls and a square and then you're done. You gotta know weak points, you gotta know how the enemy could get in, methods of keeping it supplied. I think it makes sense that Rogaldorn isn't just all siege, or fortify, fortify, fortify. He's got, he's got more to him than just that. Uh, he just chooses to specialize in fortifications and whatnot. Uh, as for a bit more on the Chris, the Christs, the Imperial Fists and their crusading. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Have you ever met my friend, Imperial Chris? Imperial Chris. Any one dude. He's one of the lesser known captains of the Fists, the Imperial Chris. Why is it the name Chris makes no sense in a Warhammer setting? There's no one called Chris in Warhammer. I swear. You can get Christos, but not Chris. <laughs> Christos is just Chris. I've had Jordan like, like how jarring that would be, like Horus Abaddon, Chris Ezekiel. Yeah, we'd never get like. I mean, no, you you get Eli Janus, but you wouldn't get a Colin Andy or Harry. I'd say yeah, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> the Carl Marine. Colin would just. Be, uh, I don't know what legion that would go in though. Smurfs. Yeah. <laughs> Put me in the blueberries. Oh, oh. in Aurelius. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't too bad. Uh, but as for how he led his legion and how they would act, Dorne was uh, not the kind of guy to push his legion in places he wouldn't go. He demanded perfection and like not not in the way Fulgrim did, but he demanded they give it their all and do it uh, right. But that's because he demanded that of himself, and he wasn't a he wasn't putting additional expectations onto his sons, is I think the best way to put it. He wasn't asking them anything more than he asked of himself. Uh, he did ask them to give everything they had, but he was right there alongside with them, uh, giving them their all. Um, and uh, he was also a bit of an idealist. Uh, he firmly believed in the Emperor's vision. He thought this was genuinely the best way to go for humanity. So he wasn't just crusading for the sake of war and bloodshed and conquest. He genuinely was like this is what we need to do to create the safest, best future for humanity. Uh, granted, this was not always seen, uh, especially his attitude towards his brothers, because he was, if he had any major flaw, it was his complete and utter lack of people skills. Uh, he did not know how to talk to his brothers. I believe he probably, he did want to know, or he did know what he wanted to say. He could not get it out. He did not have Horus's or Sanguinius's or even, you know, Gilliman's charisma. He was a living brick wall. I think all the uh, Imperial Fists were very much just... Uh, like, they're, they're perfect soldiers, not exactly more than that at this point. Yeah. Although eventually I think they're... one day, you know, after the Great Crusade and Dawn's uh, and, ideal world. And they also follow their, their dad's example to a T, because, again, Dawn was like, oh, he, he had no ambitions to become a war master. He was just like, I'm just going to do what the Emperor says. I'm going to do compliances. Job done, enough said. And his sons were like, yes, yes, father, that is very good. Yes, I will do the same. Glory to the Imperium. Yeah, and it's like, it's one, it's probably his biggest like foil to Pernarabo, you know, the, the traitorous siege and that kind of warfare expert. 
you know, Perdurabo wanted more credit and glory and stuff. He wanted better jobs than just grinding through the muck, whereas I'm, yeah. I'm willing to bet that if, like, the Emperor came down to Rogaldor in the fist and was like, hey, I need you for the next ten years, you just you just gotta be a janitor. You just gotta clean space stations for ten years. They'd be like, well, yeah. this is what the Emperor needs, and uh, that well, is the end of the argument. I, I don't know if you're gonna mention it as well, but um, even when Hor uh, when War when Horus was appointed as Warmaster, he basically was, he would counsel with Rogel Dawn specifically mm -hmm. because he was like, I can trust Rogel to like figure out where my weaknesses are. And he's a great advisor because he's not going to try and like Sugar usurp my, my authority. He's not going to detract. He's just going to go, this could improve, that could improve, that's good. And he'll just leave it as it is. Like, that's, that's pretty. And again, he was very supportive. He was like, yes, you are a good Warmaster. I'll do, do my bit until yeah, it all went wrong. And sure enough, that was pretty much his reaction when Horus was uh, crowned as the War Master uh, between the yeah. Fists and Rogaldorn. There wasn't uh, any, like, vying, like, damn, I should have got that. Or it wasn't like, yeah, Horus is the best guy for the job. He's like, well, the Emperor made it so. That is the end of the discussion as far as I care. Horus is War Master. I'm going to keep doing my job and help him out when he requires it. Can I also mention an interesting tidbit about the actual uh, Legion that of course. Even as we as Colin mentioned earlier, they kind of drew from everywhere on terror. They actually, interesting enough, continued this practice into the Great Crusade, where they would draw. Even though Rogel Dawn uh, was found on the planet of Inuit, and many legionaries were drawn from there, such as uh, Big Crimson Fist Boy Alexis Pollux, um, they actually would draw from many other worlds throughout the uh, entire Imperium, such worlds they conquered. So they would. Famously, have uh, legionaries from Necromunda, which is essentially a, almost like a gang hive world, which is scum yeah, planet. <laughs> yeah, you play the, there's like a game uh, mode in Warhammer, which is just set in Necromunda as a tabletop game, and so they, the Imperials would draw from many different worlds. So the actual makeup of the legions, like general culture, was mm. pretty like it was its own thing rather than it was like the white scars we said earlier where they kind of like oh it's basically Chagorius or the space walls are basically Fenris this was no no this, the Imperial Fists are like their own thing mm -hmm. like, you know like a knightly order sort of style yeah and it's uh it kind of reflects in how they would the way they would administer worlds in a way because they essentially didn't for lack of a better word so when they conquered a world you know they would uh do as they did on Terra set up grand fortresses and make sure they had garrisons and whatnot. And they would uh, occasionally, like, recruit from it. Like, uh, I think there was one instance I read where they took half of an underhive's, like, male population to try out for fist recruitment, which I think was, is one of those things. I don't think GW realized just how many people were going to become fist with that because they should have been the largest <laughs> legion by a long shot with half of an underhive's worth of people, even if, like, 90% of them die and wash out. That's still a lot of people, like, billions. Uh, but... Beyond that, once they set up the fortresses and took, like, the one-time manpower boost they had, they would leave, because, again, Crusaders, that's something I really want to emphasize, because people, you know, think of the Imperial Fist, they sit behind a wall and wait. They were, especially in the 30th millennium, they were Crusaders, they went out and conquered. And they didn't really claim anything as, strictly speaking, like, Imperial Fist territory. Like, other legions, when they would, uh you know, conquer it, they'd be like, this is my planet to get tithes from for space marines. It belongs to the Imperium, but it also belongs to me, my legion. The Imperial Fists were like, give me 
the recruits I need to make up for the losses in the campaign. Uh, you belong to the Imperium. We're off. Don't rebel or we're going to be back. I do also like that they, when they do recruitment, they're not stuck up about who they recruit. They're like, if you're an underhive ganger, you can join. It's like, if you have the grit and determination, you can be an Imperial Fist. And they have like a, a long history of they take the gutter trash and they make them into noble Astartes. Mm -hmm. And that's like a big thing for them was like, you're, you're more than you think you are. So we're going to make you the best. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of discipline, but we'll make you into an Astartes. And I think that's quite cool about them as well. Yeah, they were, uh, they they were definitely not stuck up about their recruiting practices. They took who they felt was the best, be it an underhive ganger, like you said. If, if a noble really wanted to be a fist, they'd probably let him in too, if uh, he could stick it out. And then they were on to the next crusade. Uh, for 160 years, this continued on, building these fortresses, moving on, and just expanding the Emperor's realm. Because again, they felt across the Legion from Dorne to the average grunt they were idealists they felt this was the best uh future they were making for humanity uh there's even a quote Rogel Dorn said himself that uh, kind of reflects this that he wants recruits not vassals it's part of why he doesn't like create an imperial fists mini empire within the imperium itself he's like i want recruits i don't want a nation of serfs and slaves skill issue on Rogel Dorn's part Oh, please, what's the difference? You're still a serf for the Imperium. Now it's just the fists don't get to benefit. True. Uh, although, uh, along this, I do have a quote I felt quite fitting that I'll bring up in a moment. Uh, one crucial trait of Dorn's that would spread throughout his legion is that he viewed pain as a cleansing tool. Oh. I know it's uh, frequently you know, portrayed in a joking manner, especially think of it like in TTS. The pain glove... Uh, where it feels like your body is submerged in, like, liquid fire and napalm, and it's just incredibly pain and torturous. This would, uh, when they got Rogaldorn back, this would spread something else throughout Imperial Fist culture, that pain isn't just, you know, ouch, that hurts, it's a method of cleansing the body of weakness. God, they really uh, do which, take it seriously, don't they? The flagellation. Yeah, which, uh, do not take that to heart for the real world. These are Imperial Fist Crusaders. <laughs> for the love of God, that is not how it works in reality. Uh, no, um, well, I mean, unless you're working out. No pain, no gain then. But otherwise, do not be like the Fist in this regard. Uh, and uh, I have a quote. Uh, Hal, you... Uh, I'm ready if you want me to read it. Indeed. Uh, yeah, it was Hal. And Eli read the last... Yeah, Hal, a quote for it in general, if you wouldn't mind, from Rogali Don himself. Rogalius Adonius. <clears throat> Do not look to us for kindness. Do not look to us for hope. We are not the kind children of this new age. We are the rocks of its foundation. If you wish hope, then look to what we make. If you wish kindness, then look to those who will come after us. Oh, yeah, so... Building. What's up? It's all very future future building, future focused. Indeed. And that was another thing along with Rogaldorn's idealism. Uh, and like you were saying, like they're the perfect soldiers, like you said, Hal. They're they're here now to do what the Emperor needs them to do. They know that in the future, you know, well, if things worked out well for the Great Crusade, in the future there would eventually be no more wars and whatnot. But as far as they were concerned, that's that's putting the cart before the horse. For now, don't look to the Imperial Fist to be nice and kind in everyone 
They were the Emperor's Crusaders and his militant arm to spread across the galaxy. Maybe the Ultramarines and, you know, the White Scars, they can do things like, you know, practice bureaucracy and, you know, calligraphy and all that noble stuff. That's not what the Fists are here for. Right now, the Emperor needs soldiers, and that's what the Fists are. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, which, again, I think very cool and something the Fists don't get credit for too often uh, because people think boring fortify guys, and that's the end of it. Uh, and of note, uh, the Emperor clearly agrees with me in some regard because they were the Legion chosen to fight alongside the Emperor more than any other, and he bestowed more honors upon them than any other uh, himself. So, the, you know, the Imperial Fist did not get the most compliances in the galaxy, uh, military or diplomatic. That was, you know, Horus and uh, Gilliman with the most military and diplomatic uh, conquests, respectively. But the Imperial Fist got more direct honors from the Emperor than any other, and they were in many ways his legion, uh, ignoring, of course, the Custodians. Uh, and as the Great Crusade was nearing its end, uh, not an end foreseen by anyone except maybe the Emperor, granted, but uh, nearing its end nonetheless, the Emperor returned home to Terra to work on a project known only to a uh, select few. Uh, and, of course, none of his children, because that would be too much. Uh, the Webway Project, which I'm just going to say right now, feel free to yell at me, Andy, a completely futile endeavor to get into the Eldar Webway and claim it for humanity. Uh, I don't think that would have ever worked out in the best case scenario, but isn't the logic that's... that chaos can't? He has to. They have to win slash get all of humanity under the emperor's banner because if they bring mm -hmm. humanity into the webway, the chaos gods can't use humanity to corrupt the universe. That was that was the logic. I think the emperor was perhaps discounting the horrible griblies that live in the webway. Uh, Gribblies, that's a good word. Uh, no, that's the Dark Elder or Gribblies. Oh, it is utter uh, hubris. I think every character who knows that, like the the full final plan, just says it's utter hubris, but he just says, I know, but like, there's just the other option is basically death. Like, we, every other. Yeah. Okay, every other, what's your plan? Well, every other timeline. The, 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 other, other, the other option would have been teaching people about the dangers of chaos and warning them not to listen to the voices in the dark. Yeah, and trust that would require the Emperor to explain himself. That? Yeah, why, why would I do that? Let's just dig a <laughs> hole into the eldritch tunnel of horrible beings inside of it. This can't fail. I don't, I don't know. Something as simple, even in our modern day, you tell people, like, don't lick, uh, you know, icy, like, poles outside so your tongue doesn't stick to it. And you know what? People still do it because you can't, yeah, you can't yeah, just, that, just go, oh, I'll do it and just to spite you. Goofy, because it's funny. I think there's a difference between licking a frozen pole in winter and damning yourself for all eternity. <laughs> I don't know. It was good enough for Erebus. He was like, right, I'm. Why not? I'm. I'm gonna be silly. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the um, chaos thing. Sounds fun. I'm just saying. Uh, half of the Empire of Man never turned on Sigmar. Worked a lot better for him. Nice. That's yeah, right. Shiny gold Still hammer. Lost. He did have a shiny gold. Maybe he that was the, the issue. Warhammer. The Emperor didn't have a exactly. Warhammer 40,000. Cringe. Uh, but, uh, moving on, the uh, the Fists, alongside uh, their Primarch, would, along with the Emperor, return to Terra, uh, as they were his legion, and they would become its Praetorians uh, of Terra, the home of humanity. Uh, and... Not only would this exist throughout the rest of the Great Crusade, the Horus Heresy, but well into the 41st millennia. Even after, you know, the legions were broken up, 10,000 years past, the Fists 
have ever stalwartly remained on Terra uh, from the end of the Great Crusade to the modern timeline. And the last uh, major thing of note they did before everything goes horribly wrong was they were begin fortifying Terra, as of course it's Praetorians and Rogaldorn being the siege expert or the fortification expert he is. They would create it into not only mankind's capital world, but the ultimate fortress in the galaxy, and one of the most well-defended places in all of the 41st or 30th at this time, 30th to the 41st, 42nd millennium. Uh, invading Terra is basically a, pr a protracted form of suicide for anyone who might try it. And that was the Imperial Fists throughout the Great Crusade. Uh, any any questions? Anything to add, anyone? I just enjoy the fact that Sigismund is still the best <laughs> by far. <laughs> All of the space range, and he's just completely ordinary. Although I do I do like his um his appearance in the Rogal Dawn Primarch book, where he's like a, a kind of budding Templar, and he's not the mm -hmm. first, and he's like still learning the ropes. And there's a duel between a Dark Angel champion and the Templar in charge, and the Templar loses, and he's like, oh. You could have done this with this and just like the younger Sigismund and even his own book where it's like he's a he's being attacked by gangs on terror I think it is and mm -hmm. it's got like this I, I don't know if it's like the 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 like the like bar of like metallic whatever it is he has is then forged into the black sword or if it's just a parallel but like he has this like chunk of something he just like hits them yeah. with it and they're like is that is that part of it I don't know he's a cool character anyway with I the... think the Imperial Fist lot of, lost a lot of coolness after the Horus Heresy, which is probably why everyone thinks they're boring. Because <sighs> all their personality that's... went into the successor chapters. That's what they. Uh, that's that's when all the like the crusading elements got put into the Black Templars and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Pain. I mean, Coolland was pretty cool during the War of the Beast, and then it was like, oh, the chapter's extinct, and then all the all the successors have to be like, all right, put some in, maybe, <laughs> contribute some of your members to rebuild the chapter. Go on. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what ultimately turned them into fortification experts, and that was it. When ninety nine nine hundred ninety nine out of a thousand of them died. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Poor shout out to the beast. Truly, morbidly a beast. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, okay. with those with that uh, amazing closing statement though, uh, that was the uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh legion. Uh, the next time we do a timeline episode, we'll obviously be doing the eighth, ninth, and tenth. Uh, be I think that's Night Lord, Blood Angels, and Iron Hands, which will be a good episode. Nice varied one. Nice little uh, bit of culture slash legion uh, love there. Uh, but that's not the next episode of the Beginning to Expert. Next time we will be doing, I think it is Necrons, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Hosted by Eli. Eli gets to talk about Necrons for hours, and you guys have five to sit hours there. straight. Losers <laughs> of the war in heaven. Hey, we, 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 we. Losers of the war in heaven. We won that war. What are you talking about? Uh, what happened? For the, <laughs> who, who ruled the galaxy for 65 million years? And then uh, who rules it now? The Imperium? The Imperium. Yeah, okay, yeah. The, the, the big question is, who's going to die out first? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Necrons already died out. They're soulless robots, so easy clap. Hey, we won the war in heaven. That which is I dead hope. may never die. Yeah, people, people who say the Necrons won the war in heaven are the same as the people who say, yeah, the, the, America won Vietnam. Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> we won the war. We didn't win afterwards. What happened? We won the actual I, war in heaven. No it doesn't matter. They deserved it. 
the, the, the 41st millennium is a post-heaven society. We need to just put all our faith <laughs> okay. in the Imperium and the Omnisire because we're in a post-heaven uh, society. Your faith in Iniad. Uh, the Dark Muses. <laughs> but that being said, though, we hope you all enjoyed this. As you can see, the arguments are already starting for the next episode. Uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, some of the legions here are pretty... There's, there's a bit more depth to them than you would ever realize. So we hope you uh, enjoyed those little extra bits of lore that you may not have already known and if you were new hopefully you got a good like uh, sort of flavor slash an example and you know an understanding of these legions um maybe those three aren't your favorite but you can still find something good within all of them um with that being said though thank you so much for watching for listening uh if you can uh, like and subscribe that really helps us and make more content obviously supports all of us talking and making trash Warhammer memes and jokes. <laughs> um, so uh, with that being said, though, uh, again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Take care, everyone. Oh, I love you. Glory right. to the dynasties. Even if you're a fleshling, I still love you. <laughs>